If you're trying to conceive and feeling overwhelmed with fertility advice, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to Don't Tell Me to Relax, your fertility podcast and antidote to unhelpful fertility information. I'm Hannah, a fertility acupuncturist, teacher and campaigner for better fertility education. This podcast aims to empower and inform you about your menstrual cycle and fertility. It's basically all that information you didn't get in sex ed at school with the aim of improving your understanding of your reproductive health and optimizing your fertility. Hello everyone and welcome back to this week's episode. So this is actually, I was just saying to Ian, as all things great, I haven't really thought this through, but As we went on talking about testing in the last two episodes, last week I suddenly thought we need to do a special on male fertility and male testing. And so I asked Ian last Friday and he very kindly, at very short notice, agreed to come in and talk to us about male testing. So Ian, would you like to introduce yourself and tell everybody about who you are, what you do, and your kind of uh, interest and campaigning for male testing for fertility sure thank you and thanks for inviting me hannah even if Pleasure. it was short notice <laughs> and you know me you can wheel me out anytime to talk <laughs> talk sperm health so yeah my name's ian stones i'm one of three of the directors of test him uh, along with michael close and toby trice and our mission with test him is to change the world of male fertility and that is to raise awareness uh, get men educated, get them the right tests, and then get them the right support. So really, we kind of want to make sure that men are supported from the beginning to the end, all the way through, because we know that the system fails men quite spectacularly, and that they need this extra support. Um, you know, my background is nearly 16 years practicing as an acupuncturist, and it was through this, having seen a lot of women through my clinic, um, that I realized that the men weren't getting the support they needed and that through a whole series of events has led me to to start this new company with with Michael and Toby so yeah that's it in a, a short nutshell thank you and and I guess the, I guess what is the kind of current situation that we see is that lots and lots of people come through clinic or get in contact with us and say that they have had so the female partner has had a lot of investigations and the male partner has often only had one semen analysis and Mm. that seems to be the kind of general picture so could you just explain to us a little bit about why are we where we are with the difference between male and female testing that's a really good question and it's probably quite a complex picture i mean if you go back a hundred years um i remember reading this great book called gynecology g-u-y and it's kind of about the, the the history of uh Andrology or urology, you know, the study of men and, and, and men's health diseases. And actually, you know, 100 odd years ago, it was syphilis was the big thing. And it was kind of men's health, men's syphilis was kind of like, ooh, it's a dirty, horrible disease. And what was going on in the medical profession was that they were starting to segment medicine and say, okay, we'll have gynecology, we'll have gastroenterology, you know, we'll have endocrinology. And male health became this kind of it was just syphilis and this kind of it was very much pushed to the to the kind of back and and no one really wanted to do it and if you were a doctor who specialized in that actually you were kind of disregarded in the medical profession you're a bit of a quack and the first andrological society wasn't set up until the 70s which you know wasn't that long ago um so i think that's a big part of the history we then have the whole fact that research has been lacking in male 
fertility and, and sperm health. And I think we then have the societal f- sort of issue that for, for maybe entirety, it's been believed that fertility is a female issue. So you bring all of that together. Then you bring in things like NICE guidelines and World Health Organization guidelines, ESHRAE guidelines. Again, a lot of them are focused on investigations for the women. And there's not necessarily been enough research or enough attention paid to the research that is out there, because actually there is a lot out there in terms of the importance of male fertility. So I think that where we are now is probably a reflection of all of that history and all of those factors where all of the focus is on the woman or or, 90% of the focus is on the woman. All the IVF units are led by gynecologists, so to practitioners that specialise in women's health and or reproductive health. And men have become the kind of spare part, you know. And then one of the other major factors is ICSI, the introduction mm-hmm. of ICSI in the early 90s, which has allowed us to say, oh, well, that's okay, we'll just do ICSI. We'll just manipulate the sperm rather than looking at, at fixing it. So, you know, it, it's a really complex picture as to how we've ended up in this situation. But what we need to do is change the situation because there's more than enough research out there to show that sperm health, male factor infertility is a huge contributor to all of this. Mm. And and in terms of male testing, I mean, the NHS guidelines, as far as I know, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, is basically a sperm test and then a repeat if if there are are any anomalies, so anything Mm -hmm. that's not, sort of where it should be in terms of the reference ranges, then it's offered as a repeat three months later. Mm-hmm. But what I see generally is that it's just been, most people have just been given one sperm test and then they're often told, you know, if they are on the IVF road that, okay, well, we're going to do ICSI anyway. So, you know, maybe take some supplements and mm. this is the kind of path that you're on. So, can you just kind of unpick like what what are the problems with that sort of general route for people? Um, God, well, the the problem is it, it completely misses male fertility, you mm. know, and and this is it's absolutely no fault of the GPs. I think we must make that really clear. Mm. They do a fantastic job, but they're working in a system that is is utterly broken when it comes to fertility. So a guy steps in front of you know steps into the office of his of his his GP. Um, like say he's offered a semen analysis. Now, if that semen analysis is suboptimal, the GP, and again, this depends on the skill and experience and training that that GP's had. If they've shown an interest in male fertility, they might think, okay, well, let's do a physical examination or let's advise you a little bit on lifestyle and diet. But they are very much bound by the NICE guidelines. So this is the National Institute for Clinical Healthcare Excellence. And when you go through those guidelines, I can't remember how many pages they are, but it's again very heavily focused on the women and there's very little it, it comes down to about a page for the men out of maybe mm. 16 pages and it does mention a little bit about a lifestyle and diet and a tight underwear but the the ultimate outcome of that process is a referral to a gynecologist and an IVF led unit you know so the system is is geared up to fail men and when you look at the nice guidelines a lot of the data and research that is quoted for the men is nearly 20 years old you know so we're we're operating in a, in a really poor system where guys get like i said they get a semen analysis they may get two um but the referral pathway the action point for the gp 
is refer to IVF. And like I say, IVF is always led, not, well, IVF units are predominantly led by gynecologists. Mm. The only time a man is likely to get a referral to a urologist or andrologist, so a specialist in male fertility, is if the guy is azospermic, so no sperm in the ejaculate, or if he's experiencing pain. They tend that tends to be the only reason he'll get a referral. But equally I've spoken to many men that phoned up to get their semen analysis results to be told that he has no sperm. Mm. And the GPs turned around and said to him, You need to go for donor sperm. So well that's not true. There are mm. other options out there. Mm. And and you and I, given that you know, we come from a background of kind of holistic therapy where we look at whole body systems in in sort of in our world if somebody if a male comes in with any problems with their sperm then mm. what we would do or what we would recommend is to take a full 360 look at all areas of their health so that's their health their lifestyle their stress levels their sleep their digestion we would look mm. at everything to look at where we can make improvements because it's kind of like you know what we think in clinic is that if it's male factor, then we need to investigate male factor further rather than mm. bypass it with IVF or ICSI. So in terms of like further investigations, it seems like the sperm test is the only one really that is well known. But, you know, you and I have spoken about this before. There are a whole host of other tests out there that can investigate mm. male health and actual male fertility. So what would be your kind of recommendations if you wanted to, somebody say they got a suboptimal sperm test, where, what other tests would you recommend that they, they do? I think, you know, the point you make on the holistic view is actually the really important starting point. And that's why we developed the testing portal, which has got all the kind of key questions that guys can go through and, and you know, do that for free. I think if a guy's got a suboptimal semen analysis, I will always say to him or a couple, go back and make sure you're doing all the lifestyle and diet stuff first because it 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 bloody works mm -hmm. <laughs> you know i've worked with guys that have had an eight million you know sperm count concentration and with the right lifestyle and diet it's gone up to 24 million so always go back and do the the simple quick easy fixes so you know all the all the essential diet and lifestyle hints and tips because it's not going to cost you a lot it's it's relatively quick and easy and you do that for three months and see if that's made a difference so you you must do that now in terms of then the other tests if things aren't improving or you want to do these other tests alongside the lifestyle factors then yes definitely do those so you you know there are a whole list of things that guys can be looking at the top kind of few would be oxidative stress so that's a very very simple test that can be done off a semen analysis or alongside a semen analysis in fact it needs to be done alongside a semen analysis because you need the concentration so that looks at the balance between uh free radicals and antioxidants in the seminal fluid and we know that that, that strongly correlates to live birth rates next to that you might want also want to consider a dna fragmentation test so this then looks at the damage that's getting done to the dna within the head of the sperm because you know we know that that has a significant effect on IVF outcomes and also chance of natural conception. And a guy can have a perfectly normal semen analysis, but have high oxidative stress or high DNA fragmentation. So those two are great tests to do. A physical examination is really important. 
um, both in terms of the men checking themselves. So have you got any lumps and bumps that, that you're not sure of and don't feel right? But actually a physical examination from a, from a medical professional who, who knows what they're doing. And that's really predominantly to look for things like varicocele, which is a hugely common condition which causes raised scrotal temperature, increases oxidative stress and DNA fragmentation. 15% of the male population have a varicocele and that jumps to 40% of, of uh, a male population that are trying to conceive and struggling. Wow. So again, a very, very simple examination could highlight an issue that, that needs to be addressed. So they're, they're kind of like the top ones, but also you've then got things like infection screening. So men can be carrying an infection that's asymptomatic, so not causing any symptoms, but will be causing damage to the sperm. And of course, yes, yeah, so hormone testing is, is the other key thing for men. Like, so men have a lot of the same hormones as women. Um, in different levels, of course, but you know, a couple of the key ones are things like follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. So any woman listening to this who, who's done her research will be aware of these tests, but it's exactly the same for a man. So follicle stimulating hormone is released and it, and it stimulates sperm production in the testicles. That then helps produce testosterone. So if you've got raised FSH in a man and low testosterone, it's showing that the testicles aren't working properly. So it's just another one of those tests that helps build up a whole picture. And I think this is what we're really missing when it comes to male fertility is this whole picture. A semen analysis really doesn't tell you much. It tells you how many you've got, are they swimming and what shape they are. It doesn't actually tell you anything about their ability to penetrate and, and fertilise an egg. And in terms of um, like accessibility, so if somebody's got a suboptimal sperm result and they're concerned, mm. where I mean, where is is any of this available? Any of these further tests or investigations, or any of them available either through your GP or NHS, or is this all kind of are we moving into the sphere of like private medicine now? Unfortunately, yes, it is yeah. private medicine only for these advanced tests that. The, so again, going back to the NICE guidelines, the NICE guidelines are, you know, two semen analysis for a guy and that is it. There's no no recognition of these advanced tests. In fact, the, the most recent updated World Health Organization guidelines on semen analysis, I think the sixth edition, which has only come, I think, come live this year, um, now is only just recognizing DNA fragmentation and saying that, okay, that should be offered in certain circumstances. I, th mm -hmm. I think it mentions oxidative stress as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that they are private tests. So it does mean a couple is going to have to try and source them privately, mm -hmm. which means possibly having a conversation with your IVF clinic um, or doing a little bit of legwork on the internet and finding yourself a good urologist or andrologist or, or a clinic or an andrological clinic that can do these sorts of assessments for you. Sorry, just bear with me. Sorry, bloody so job. Okay. Um. I, yeah. Okay. So, if somebody wanted to fight, if somebody was, for example, if someone's trying to conceive naturally, mm. and they, you know, the sperm has kind of been the the issue that is identified, and maybe they're not ready to go down the route of IVF yet, or maybe they want to investigate it further how do people find the right people to get in front of? Mm. Because the IVF clinics often say, 
well, you know, we just, let's do IVF. But if you're not ready to do IVF or if you kind of see the value of investigating male factor further, where do you go for it? Yeah, it's a really good question. And this is something we're trying to do with test him is make that whole journey easier for couples or or for the guy that, you know, if he does the portal, the questionnaire, we will inevitably end up recommending certain tests. And and what we want to make sure is that we've got the right connections. So we do have a couple of links to clinics on our support page where they can go and get these. But it is unfortunately a case of doing a little bit of research yourself to find the right people. Um, There is the British Association of Urological Surgeons. So you can have a look at their website and try and find a urologist in your area. Like I say, there are some clinics, some IVF clinics that have links with urologists, andrologists. So it's always worth having that conversation. Um, but then it is just a case of doing a little bit of Googling and, and finding. You know, there, there are quite, unfortunately, you know, the whole world, well, not the whole world, the whole UK is a bit London centric, isn't it? Yeah. But if you want to find a good urologist and andrologist, you're going to end up probably going to London. Mm. You've got, Pretty much all the top andrologists are in and around London. Um, but you've got Andrology Solutions, you've got Fertility Solutions, Jonathan Ramsey, um, Tet Yap, Jas Kelsey, Asif Manir, and Sucks Mines. They're kind of your core that in and around London. So it's just a case of doing a little bit of legwork. And also kind of allowing time and money for this. Um, you know, you need a few months to, to go through all the male fertility testing and find out where you're at. And it, it might cost you around a thousand pounds to do all of these tests, maybe a little bit more with some consultations. And a lot of people, I had this conversation last week at the ashray conference. Somebody said, oh, but you know, DNA fragmentation testing is very expensive. You know, some clinics are charging a bit too much for it, to be honest. Mm. But let's just turn that around a, a second. So we're talking maybe a thousand pounds, 1500 pounds to have this whole suite of tests that I've just talked about and consultation with a, a specialist compared to what, 10,000 pounds for an IVF cycle where yeah. you're just going to chuck a load of jelly at the wall and see what sticks again, or we're going to tweak the cycle because the woman didn't respond quite right or the embryos didn't develop. No, a thousand pounds on checking the man properly mm. could save you that 10,000 pounds because you might not even need that IVF mm. if you fix the sperm. So I think we need to change the mindset in the fertility community probably more with the patients than clinics that actually, yes, it might seem like a lot of money, but it's a very wise investment of money and time, presuming you have both um, to actually find out what's going on with the sperm. And in, and in terms of say, for example, let's say you have got a high level of DNA damage, mm-hmm. let's say in terms of like treatment approaches, what are the next steps? So say for, say for, because I've had conversations with people and they say, well, even if someone's got lots of DNA damage, then ICSI is still the only real solution because, you know, if we can choose the best looking sperm, it, the theory is, is that it's less likely to have DNA damage. And, you know, the degree to which you can make a difference is questionable, is, is conversations that I have heard. So what would you say in response to that, in terms of what can you actually do if someone's got, let's say they've got low motility, high DNA mm. damage? Well, so much I want to try and say to that. <laughs> so let's see if I can get this all across. Um, so, so a sperm DNA fragmentation test is in effect like an outcome test. So it gives you a result. And that result tells you you've got high DNA fragmentation. It's like, right, okay, what you need to do now is go back and find out where that's coming from. 
you know, as you said, as kind of holistic therapists, as acupuncturists, we always wanted to get to the root cause of the problem. You know, a headache or painful periods is a symptom of something else, you know, within the, the ecosystem. And DNA fragmentation is exactly the same. It's an outcome and there's something going on to cause that. So you need to go back and actually find out where that's coming from. Is it lifestyle? Is it diet? Is it um, that they're on certain medication? Is it that they have a varicocele? Do they have an infection? Because actually, there's a whole load of things that cause DNA fragmentation that are entirely treatable. And I think this is what is getting, well, one part of what is getting missed. Okay, so yes, couples, men will often hear, oh, you've got high DNA fragmentation, we'll just do ICSI. So then you go and do ICSI. So what they do with the sperm is they centrifuge it at 2,000 revs per minute through a density gradient, which actually strips the sperm of a lot of its proteins and healthy stuff. Uh, I actually saw a quote from some research from a very high up kind of um, scientist specializing in, in andrology from the 80s, this was, that says centrifuging sperm increases oxidative stress. So it actually potentially makes sperm less healthy. And then you pick the sperm out and you stick it in the egg. But actually, they don't know about the DNA within the head of the sperm. Mm. So if you've got, let's say you've got a guy that's got really high DNA fragmentation. Yes, you clean it up, you spin it up, and then you pick out a sperm. But if you're choosing sperm from a pool where you've got a lot of DNA fragmentation, the percentage chance of you choosing one with higher DNA fragmentation is obviously higher. Mm. And there are other than sperm preparation techniques that are also very good for sperm. So there's a thing called the Zymot. And there's a new one of these, um, and the, uh, Lenshook do one as well. I think it's called the CA0. Um, and there's another one coming out hopefully later next year. That actually they're, they're very simple little discs or, or, or chips that you put some sperm into. And it's like a, uh, it's almost like a maze. It's kind of survival of the fittest, mm. and the best sperm make it to the other end. And we know that those, that you get better ICSI outcomes if you the, use these techniques because you're not spinning the sperm. Um, you know, you're then choosing the sperm. We, we, they tend to find with those chips that you get less, uh, or sorry, you get more better quality sperm at the end mm. rather than spinning it. In life. Mm. So. I think the point is, if you've got high DNA fragmentation, ICSI isn't the answer. You've got to go back and find out what's causing it. If it's a varicocele, it might be a case we get that varicocele repaired, and then hey presto, you know things might be might improve considerably. Mm. They might. The other, you know, the important thing to say here is also is things may not improve significantly. They may improve a little bit. But what you want to be doing is, if you're going into IVF and or ICSI that you are optimizing the sperm to give yourselves the best possible chance. So actually working on the sperm and working on what's wrong with it is, is really important. Yeah. And that's always, a, it's always that conversation, isn't it? That is a difficult conversation because often it's about taking a bit of time out. You know, often mm. people when they're at that point of IVF is often the point at which they come to see us in clinic. Mm. And often it's a, it's a difficult conversation to kind of, you know, talk to somebody about you know let's let's just take a, a step a side step for a minute and just see whether we can do some investigations or work on that sperm so that you're in a really really good place mm. before you go into that IVF and there's always this deliberation isn't there of time pressure of age you know you mm. need to go for IVF you need to do it now versus take some time prepare 
get the sperm in the best possible place and then go in. It, it's and it's 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 difficult, isn't it? Because you have clinics saying one thing, yeah. you have you know people saying other things about sperm and the difference that you can make. So. I really empathize with people when they feel a bit like confused and lost as to what the best approach is. Yeah. And, and unfortunately a lot of these conversations happen two or three IVF cycles down the road or yeah. a couple of miscarriages down the road. That's when somebody says, shall we look at the sperm? Yeah. You know, and, and you're quite right. And, and of course we have, I wrote an article on age and male fertility and kind of looking at the stats, you know, there's been a huge increase in the number of people becoming parents in their thirties to forties, um, and a, a big decline in those having in, you know, in their, in their twenties. So what we're seeing is obviously couples are coming to this all a lot later, maybe 35, 36, 37, whatever for the woman. So we know obviously egg quality is declining and egg reserves declining. So we, you know, couples don't have a huge amount of time. Um, and when they're then two, three years down the line, then they hear about this whole sperm thing. It's like, Oh Christ, if only we'd known this sooner. Mm. So this is why there's a whole education element that needs to happen. And this is, again, again a huge mission of Test Him. Mm. So actually get men and couples thinking about this far sooner so that it's not a surprise and, and a regret that, mm. that, that somebody didn't tell them sooner. I always think, I always think, you know, in terms of, let's say, for example, the NICE guidelines in terms of when should you have fertility testing? I mean, you know, it's what is it, 12 months under the age of 36 and six months over the age of 36. And I think that mm. often applies to females, not males, or maybe, maybe it does to both. But I sort of uh, kind of in, in, in clinic, I say, have them as soon as possible. You know, mm. even before you're ready to conceive, I would argue having some testing done male and female is really important because it gives you a heads up. And like, as, as we've just explained, for lots of people, time is is precious, and often people are coming to this, you know, later on in life. So the sooner, you know, if you meet somebody, if you're kind of thinking next year, maybe you've got engaged, whatever your life plan is, before you're even ready to start to conceive, I would argue testing your sperm is a really good idea because it's going to give you time to do the work, to do the investigation, should you need to. What do you think about the, you know, the at-home sperm testing kits is like a first port of call so let's say if you go to your gp and your gp says no come back in a year's time you, you don't qualify yet what do you think to the at-home ones um i i do think they have their place but there should be some caution around yeah. them you know i think you know you're absolutely right in what you're saying preconception care preconception health is really important so actually you know for the guys you know go and do the testing questionnaire it's like okay are there factors that you need to change so I think definitely work on that stuff and be aware of lifestyle and diet. You know, we, we're doing a campaign at the moment. We're doing a Tough Mudder. Um, and we've got a mixture of guys doing that. We've got 20-something-year-olds 20, 20 and, and then 30-something-year-olds that have been through fertility treatment. All of the 20-something-year-olds have said, never thought about my fertility, never given it any consideration whatsoever. So, you know, raising that awareness and thinking about your health and fertility when you're younger is, is really important. The home test kits are, are a good initial indicator but again I, I caveat that with some caution this came up in conversation was aware at Ray last week where guys were getting a low motility reading on some home test kits and then when they had a, a proper full semen analysis it was absolutely fine mm. now you do obviously get fluctuations in your in your semen results anyway but i've also heard men becoming very obsessed with this 
So they then order one of these kits. It's not quite as good as they think it should be. So they then kind of keep testing and it becomes this obsessive thing. Mm. So, you know, it, but you know, you could do one of these kits and it could show that you've got no sperm, you know, that then you know, it's going to raise some alarm bells and, and mm. cause the, the, the worry there is it's going to cause a lot of concern. The guys need to know what to do with that information and where to go. But you know, if that happens, and it's happened early, that actually gives them some time to deal with that. Yeah. Rather than being two years down the line and wondering why they're not conceiving. So I think home test kits have their place. They just have to be used with a little bit of caution and a little bit of common sense. Mm. Um, and if you're concerned, then you need to go to your GP and, and get properly tested. Mm. Because I, I always sort of think that in some ways, not always, but in, in many ways, you can look at a, a woman's menstrual cycle and you can see you know it, it you can highlight red flags more easily i would say for female reproductive health than you can for male and not and mm. obviously not in all factors but you know let's say if you've got an irregular cycle or you've got heavy painful periods or you've got no cervical mucus or you know you're, there's something off with your cycle then that could be an indicator you know you could think oh my gosh could that be impacting my fertility is that a sign i need to have investigations done sooner mm. but for male fertility often i mean sometimes there could be a sign but often there is no sign until you get that test done mm -hmm. you might assume that everything's okay you might think well i'm healthy i go to the gym i'm not a big drinker not a big smoker or not smoker at all so you just kind of could assume but until you get or start investigating there is n there is often no indicator no although actually and again this is where the right questioning actually yeah. does make a huge difference and and again this is about education and awareness for men because there are certain things that actually if they had this when they were younger they, they need to think about it um so you know did you have mumps did you have undescended testicles glandular fever um have you had an sti in the past mm -hmm. um you know if, if you've got any of those that have gone on in the past the number of men that i've spoken to that have had undescended testicles and have got major kind of sperm factor issues um it, it's incredible you know so i think you know Again, these are the questions that don't get routinely asked and are within our questionnaire because they're red flags to us. Mm. You know, again, the number of men that I've spoken to that have said, oh, yeah, no, I had mumps or I had glandular fever when I was at uni. So, oh, OK, that is a red flag. So there mm. are, like I said, it's not perhaps as, as gratuitous and obvious as the woman's menstrual cycle. But then how many women are on the pill? And don't yeah. learn about the cycle until yeah. two, three years after they've come off it. Like, oh, OK, that's what my cycle does. So there, there are things, but you know, one of the things you said there is men tend to assume that it's never them, mm. that it couldn't be them, mm. but it's just as likely to be a, the man as it is the woman. Mm. And the most likely reason that a couple will end up going for IVF is because of male factor. Yet we yeah. don't see the awareness, the education and the testing for the men. Yes. So, so can you tell us a little bit about test him then? So how is test him? What, how does this help in this situation so tell us a little bit about it so as i said it's very much about awareness and education for men and really i think that the starting point is our portal our free questionnaire and what we've done is we've pulled together we've looked at validated research and we've pulled together all these key questions that we know men aren't really getting asked at gp level they're not really getting asked at ivf clinics and so a lot of things are going unnoticed, un unrecognized or undiagnosed. 
so we've got a whole kind of male fertility health section um which looks at things like okay have you had an sti have you had undescended testicles you know are you and your partner trying have you had miscarriages um then we go on to things like general health so what's your diet look like do you wear tight fit underwear you know what supplement or are you taking supplements um, salt caffeine alcohol smoke recreational drugs all of that stuff we also look at the work environment where are they working what job do they do um and then exercise is part of it as well and what it is in effect is actually a whole kind of risk profiling so actually as the guy goes through and answers these questions and it will literally take a couple of minutes it's a really quick portal to go through it will then give them instant health recommendations it will then say right you need to eat more fresh fresh vegetables and fruit you need to stop smoking you need to cut down your beer you need to lose weight um but importantly it's also geared up to to find those red flags so you say you've had undescended testicles in our questionnaire we're going to say you need to go see a urologist mm. so as i said before we want to create that kind of that's that kind of connection all the way through you do the questionnaire you get health recommendations instantly you can download them as a pdf that gives you stuff to work on lifestyle diet wise but it also then hopefully will connect you to the right clinicians as well and then something else we're developing at the moment is our own dna fragmentation test so you'll then be able to go to a clinician get a testing dna fragmentation test hopefully not state of stress test and eventually all of that data and all your results will come into the portal do you then get it all in one place you can already upload your own data you can already upload your own results and keep them safe and, and stored in one place but we want to be providing that service where well, we are already providing that service where you can go and get quality information education about your fertility and get some guidance on what you can do next amazing amazing because i guess what the, i guess the difference is is that you don't necessarily get that information from any other place do you so you're not going to get it from your gp and you are not really going to get it from a fertility clinic either because the fertility clinic's answer is always the ICSI route rather than mm -hmm. take I mean I know I do know some actually now where they have been told to go off and see a urologist depending but it's not the standard practice is it for male factor right. so I guess where what you the uniqueness of what you're offering is that independent male focused mm. health information and education yeah and it, and it seems there's not anyone else really doing it no i don't know? think there is um so it's it's really important that men can get this trusted reliable advice you know we have a professor of andrology who works with us an eminent professor and very well known all over the world he's helped us pr produce this questionnaire he's always on the end of emails for me when i have questions um you know we want to be that trusted reliable voice when there's so much other noise in the in the fertility space, you know, mm -hmm. and it's really hard for men to find this trusted, reliable information. And that's really what Testim's about. Oh, brilliant. That's so helpful. And you do your own podcast as well. We do, yeah, the Testim podcast. Uh we we go out monthly on that just because trying to get the three of us together to record is not easy because we try and do it in studio. But yeah, we've had Jonathan Ramsey, we've got Melanie Brown, um, We've got Laura Carter-Penman from Pepe. Uh, we've got Cheryl Homer lined up for later yeah. this year, Claire Mooney. We've got Jonathan back in to talk Varicocele. And it's just us chatting, you mm. know, and, and kind of debunking all these myths and, and having a bit of a laugh with it as well. You know, we're, yeah. we're guys, Toby and Michael have been through it. I've supported hundreds of couples going through it. And, yeah, we want to have a laugh and, and, and help men get that information. 
Brilliant. Well, I will put all those details on the show notes so that people can find out more information because I guess I guess the key takeaway from from a lot of this, and it always is, isn't it, is that in many ways empowering yourself with education and information and making decisions and, you know, sort of getting lots of opinion and getting lots of information and making decisions from there is a really good approach to supporting and getting the most out of your fertility treatment and kind of what your options are. So I know your podcast and your um, site gives a lot of that for the male side of things. So I'll put all those details on. Um, Ian, thank you so much for joining us and for all your time. A very last minute. It's really appreciated. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. If you have enjoyed this, please do leave us a review. I have got to say this every episode. So um, please leave us a review. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to this and want to find out more, then come and join my free community in Facebook. We have loads of resources. You can catch up on all our previous webinars and be the first to know about forthcoming events. To sign up, just follow the link in the show notes. And if you'd like to work one-to-one with myself or one of the team, then please see our website, hannahpern.com, where you can book in directly or organize a discovery call to find out how we can support your fertility and your reproductive health.